You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Today, we are breaking the silence with Zachary Andrews on tools that he has found that have helped him in his recovery from pornography. Welcome, Zachary. We're so glad to have you. It is great to be here, that's for sure. (laughs) All right. Well, my name is Zachary Andrews, like they just said. I am 25 years old. Recently, yeah, 25, right? Just recently graduated. (laughs) That made me feel even worse. (laughs) Just kidding. But um, I just recently graduated from BYU, but me and my wife and my little girl are living in Henderson, Nevada right now. Nice. Yeah, we're in Henderson, Nevada, but we are at my parents' house right now. We don't have our own place. So, you know, things are going good in life when you are living with your parents, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. The General George Costanza here. <laughs> Some people might get that reference, but that's okay. I graduated in psychology, and right now I'm just looking for for a job. That's um, a good place to be. Yeah, that's a good place. Hard place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. it's the future. <laughs> what has life been like since graduating college? Like, has it been? I like. Do you know exactly what's going on in your life? Do you know what you want? Um, that is the big question right now, right? What yeah. is going on in my life? Took it pretty hard. My last job, I I wasn't able to secure a position. I was kind of writing on you know, becoming that seminary teacher. But so that kind of put a lot of things in perspective, like where do I need to be? What, what is my skill set? What do I want to do? What's going to be able to provide for my family? And it's been a long, almost like a whole year. It feels like that I've been searching, praying a lot, thinking, working with my wife on where we need to be right now, what we can do. And my wife, Rachel has been the greatest support at this kind of really difficult time (laughs) in my life. I I don't know if there's been a lot of times more difficult than right now. We might talk about some today when we're talking about pornography use, but um, (laughs) it's been difficult in a lot of different ways. Let's go with that. So, But uh, we're happy, we're healthy, and there are potential opportunities opening up. Um, I've got my recent, I recently got my substitute teaching license. Nice. And so hopefully I'll be substitute teaching for the school district in the meantime. Cool. That's great. That's great. I really appreciate your honesty and your openness of being willing to talk about that. I think sometimes we want to portray our lives as like everything's put together and great. And that's not always the case. In fact, I think like similarly, I quit my job and my last day is this week, this upcoming week. No way. And I find myself telling people that I'm still a rec therapist just because it feels a lot better. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I it's better and than unemployed, but <laughs> definitely. Well, and and that's a potential. Like I'm I'm looking mm-hmm. into some rec therapy jobs and interviewing for a couple. And but like it's not sure, but it's a lot easier for me to yeah. to like claim the the norm or like what people want to hear rather yeah. than like owning kind of the chaos that I feel in my own life. So I really respect your honesty and transparency with that. Thank you, Chriselle. That actually really means a lot right now. (laughs) Yeah. And I also just like, we're so grateful that you're taking time to 
and, and pausing like everything going on in your life to, to talk with us and to share about your experience and, and to be open and honest with us. I think that is so valuable. And we're so grateful. Yeah. I'm super excited, super nervous, but let's, mm-hmm. let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And you might have said this a little bit, but I want you to just clarify a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit more about your family and just your position with your family? Like absolutely, Rachel been together. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. have been married for almost all the, all the deets. No, <laughs> um, I've been married for almost four years now. This month will be our four year anniversary. We're excited <gasps> by about that. We we met at BYU our freshman year. Towards the end of our freshman year, we you know dated quite a bit, and I was like, I really like this girl. I hope that she kind of sticks around. But we both had our mission calls before we started dating. And so we're like, all right, peace out. She went to French Polynesia. I went to South Korea. Oh, wow. Two years apart. Yeah, that was difficult, but not very much at the same time. We kind of knew why we were out there and and whatnot. But then when we came back, we still really, really liked each other, loved each other even. And um, I proposed to her pretty soon after we got back from our missions. Some people give me grief for that. But um, when you know it's right, you know it's right, right? (laughs) And we were married six months later. And we also have a little baby girl who's about a year and a half now. And her name is Tris. And she is the cutest thing in the world. I can agree um, with that. Yeah, she's a darling. She's a darling. And I will fight anybody who, who tries to disagree with that right there. She is the uh-huh. cutest thing. And that's objectively speaking, not as a parent. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But yeah, we're all now here. Um, down Rachel has been working a lot. She's a graphic designer. And so she's been working with my parents' dance studio right now and she's been doing a lot of the social media and stuff like that she's done a lot of social media for reach 10 too mm-hmm. so we love she's rachel such help over the years so yeah. so good so transitioning a little bit in your story help us understand your experience with pornography like what has that journey been like for you and then help our listeners get to know you a little bit better absolutely and if anybody others listening has not heard cassie's podcast story. My, my story seems a little bit similar to that. And you might hear a couple things, but I would always encourage somebody to go and listen to hers yeah. as well. Episode four. For sure. Episode four. So She's good. amazing. Yeah. Great friend of ours. But I also, like her, was exposed to pornography when I was the age of 11. Now, it was kind of innocent. It definitely was innocent in the way that I was exposed, but it, it came out of a really tough time at that time too. My family just recently moved to Henderson, Nevada. Uh, I was born and spent my childhood years in Arizona. And that's where all of my extended family is. We'll be there for Christmas this year. But um, at that time, uh, we moved here. I was you know, 10 years old, turning 11. And it was really difficult for me because we moved right before school started. And I get into middle school, my first year in middle school, and I was the nerdy kid. I really was. I was straight up the nerdy kid textbook, everything, spiky hair, glasses, you know, polo shirts, all the whole deal. Nothing, the, not that there's the anything wrong with polo shirts. Pocket protector? I'm just kidding. No, not, not quite there. I think that's high school nerd. But, um, <laughs> but needless to say, I was kind of a target for bullying at that time. And it might be tame for nowadays standards or, or whatever, but it was very real for me at the time. And I would come home very distraught and very 
you know, why, why is this happening to me? Why did we have to move away from all of my friends? You know, right before school started, I don't have any friends. I would kind of hide up in my room a lot, read a lot of books and stuff like that. But I, I would just try to escape that, that life, I guess. And so right around that time, a very popular social media platform, YouTube came out around that time. I hadn't been exposed to much of it, but um, I had been exploring YouTube to kind of get my mind off of things. And I came across pornographic material. It was very, very tame by what most people will think, but it intrigued me. I really liked it. It took my mind off of what was happening in my life. And so slowly but surely it became a habit in my life. I would turn to it whenever I had a bad day. And then it became like whenever I was just bored or whenever I you know, felt some sort of stress, like I was having a test coming up or something like that. Like it just became that escape and slowly but surely it also, you know, turned to more explicit forms of pornography as well. And all this time I was by myself, by myself through this struggle until a family member caught me with pornography. And I just want to preface this. I know what they did was, was well-meaning and how they handled it was, was, out of love, like they were, they were trying, they were concerned for me and they'd seen how pornography had been in other people's lives, but I didn't take it very well at the time. And it was kind of traumatic for me. And it kind of pushed me into more isolation at the time. And slowly but surely, I, and now it wasn't, you know, I could just use pornography. It was, I need to keep this a secret. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to get in trouble anymore. I don't want to be punished for what I'm doing, but I need this in my life. And it became more and more of a habit to the point where I, a couple more years down the road, was using pornography every day compulsively. It was everything that I thought about continually. And, you know, I couldn't really focus on anything else. Uh, it became my life. If I wasn't using pornography, it was planning out when the next time I was going to use pornography was. Hmm. And that was probably the darkest moment of my life because I felt guilty. I did. I would feel guilty, but at the same time, I needed it. And I knew it was wrong. You know, my church told me it was wrong. People around me told me it was wrong, but I didn't really care as much as I know that this is something that I want to help me get through those, those difficult emotions and feelings that I, I was experiencing. And so that's kind of where we got to the hardest time in my life. Let's go with that. Yeah. This is, I think, one of the more powerful parts of this podcast and and the more humbling parts for me is to be able to hear and like witness and even sacred, I would even use the word sacred, people's stories and some of the more vulnerable and difficult times of their lives. And and that's how I feel right now. Zachary, like this, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I just really, and I hope our listeners feel that too, that, and can just respect and un- hold the space and, and, and honor the space and your willingness to share that. Um, um, and I, I would just like to reiterate to all those people out there, because I know I'm not alone in that experience of maybe having somebody, you know, find out that they were using pornography and, you know, having that be kind of a catalyst to more isolation. But I do want to reiterate, I know that that came from a place of love. Yeah. Um, as, as difficult and kind of scary it was for me at the time I was young. And so things scared me and those people around us that, you know, may react in adverse ways that we would want them to at- react. 
it generally comes from that place of love. And I just wanted to reiterate that, that, you know, that's, that's where that's come from. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really interesting too, because I think that that is fairly common. That's how people found out about someone that they care about using pornography. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't maybe a like disclosure. It was more yeah. like a stumbled mm-hmm. upon and, and I think it's really difficult for both parties in that instance to react the way that they want to react. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and they don't have time to like formulate that reaction totally. properly sometimes. Mm. Totally, totally. And so I think it's really interesting and I'm really looking forward to your perspective on like how you've been able to shift out of that, like desire to isolate and to like maybe be defensive and, and maybe like more hidden and how you've transitioned to recovery. Like what, what does your life look like now? Like how have you overcome some of those things that came up throughout your childhood? Help us see that. You know, this is, this is now the exciting part, you know, that's the kind of more sad part, but it does need precedence because you know, that did happen, but you know, that here is the happy part, the happy news. And this is where the message of connection really comes in. But my first connection wasn't, I'll just tell you, I guess, the first time I really connected with somebody was with, with a higher power that I, I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I believe in Jesus Christ. And it was that connection that I eventually made to Jesus Christ that really helped me kind of realize that this really isn't good for me and that I could actually do something about it rather than just kind of living with it. So at the time when I was about 15, I was actually asked to be on the youth committee for my church where you know, the youth kind of get together in a certain region and they have activities that are faith-based, fun things um, that are going on, and you know, just creating a fun atmosphere where we can all kind of grow together. And at the time that I was on the youth committee, they asked me to prepare a spiritual activity, something that where people could feel the, the, the Holy Ghost and, and come closer to Jesus Christ. And this was during the time that I was really heavily involved with pornography and you know, I, I was generally a good kid, though. I mean, I did good things, but it was just this deep, dark side to me. And so I kind of was taken a little bit by surprise for that task. And so when they gave it to me, I, I kept trying over and over and over, how am I to do this? And I was not coming up with anything and eventually kind of came to the, the realization that, oh, well, maybe maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe I'm not receiving any help right now because he doesn't care about me. Maybe because I have this dark side to me that I'm this sick freak that I don't deserve to be able to receive revelation or, you know, help other people come closer to God. And during that really dark time, I had the most powerful experience where I was able to feel that God really did love me, that he really did care about me. And it came through reaching out through prayer, really wanting to know, are you there? Do you love me? Do you care about me? And I got that confirmation as strong as, and as clear as I am talking to you right now. And that was a moment that made me go, Hey, somebody does care about me. Somebody really does want me to do better. And from that point, I was like, I'm going to get rid of this in my life. I kind of made a promise right there. Like you kind of showed me who you are. I'm going to show you who I really can be. And that started the times. uh, I mean, I, but going from using pornography daily, multiple times a day to not at all is really frustrating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
really frustrating. And I know a lot of people can understand that, that it's bumpy road from that point on. But that was the very first time that I really kind of created a connection and and found hope in that connection. Hmm. I would say that lots of people who, who find a turning point in their pornography has to have something like that where they connect. Mm-hmm. At least that was the case for me too, was connecting with my higher power first. Like I felt like the spirit opened up my heart saying, you can't stop this. Well, you need to stop this and mm-hmm. you can't stop it on your own. So tell someone about it. I told my parents and then church leaders, but I think that's where change can actually start beginning is when you, your heart is open to truth, I guess. Um, yeah. Where you realize oh, this is, is not where I am, where I should be. Mm-hmm. I can be better. There's more, there's more to life than me just doing this for the rest of my life. Right. So yeah, I'm glad you were able to have that turning point. Yeah. And I, and I love that you just said like accepting truth in your lives that it's, it is a truth that, you know, this is something that is a detriment to us. It, it damages us. It damages other people, our relations and, and all those sorts of things. And coming to that conclusion that I need to do something about it is, is, and I agree with you, is something that everybody who struggles with pornography eventually has to come to that, oh, you know, this is not something good for me. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more about what happened after that. I mean, did you get, did you stop pornography ever since then? Or what's been the struggle <laughs> like? <laughs> what tools you used then that were good? Maybe ones that weren't so good? If, if that's the case. And, and what have you learned in your journey since then? Well, the thing that really, uh, fr- from that point on, it was still just kind of me and God at that time. Um, that was the only connection that I really made. And as I was going through that, I would, you know, count my days. I'd be like, I'd go one day, two days, three days, you know, a week. Oh, I messed up. And then I feel terrible. And like, and then continue on. I think the max I got during high school was probably like two months, unfortunately. But, you know, I was keeping track of those things. But along the way, I was realizing things that I, well, I need to have better relationships with people. I need to have better relationships with my family. I need to have better relationships with those around me, with my girlfriend, with, you know, my best friend, the, the, the people that are around me. And as I helped work with, you know, the people around me, even though I didn't tell them, oh, I'm struggling with this, I, u- I used connections to them to help me along the way, right? Then. And so even if we're not actually explicitly telling somebody, you can focus on the relationships that you have with that person. And those people genuinely care about you. And I had people that genuinely cared about me. And when you can form a connection in any way, shape or form, that's like, Hey, I care about you. I, you know, I'm trying to do the best to look out for you and you're not comfortable sharing specific things. That's okay. That's totally fine. Hopefully you can work up to being more open and more vulnerable, but starting out, that's how it was for me. I was like, I'm not telling anybody about this. I did go to Bishop's. Um, but even then, at the time, I didn't fully disclose everything to my bishop because I didn't really have anybody else to kind of push me to do that. I was just like, I'm just going to go in and say, hey, this is what's happened. And they're like, hey, are you still into that? I'm like, no, that's not true. But, <laughs> you know, just making those connections in any way that you can, I guess, was, was really helpful at the time. That's you know, a really big tool that I used at the time. 
I love that. And I love that you, like in hindsight, you're able to recognize like I was actually developing healthy sexuality right? mm-hmm. like, and healthy sexuality is having a healthy connection with other people, with yourself and really understanding and working through your emotions and your struggles in healthy ways is, yeah. is so connected to our sexuality. I think also I've been, I've been um, doing a lot more reading and research and all this mm. stuff, even more than I have in the past. Reading is, is good. <laughs> but I feel like something that keeps coming up in, in some of the research I've been doing is that sometimes the shame that, that we have about like pornography, even like discovering that we're sexual beings, like mm. is made bigger when we're like, Oh, it's not okay that I'm feeling these feelings. When in the first, right. like the fact of the matter is like, I'm a sexual being. I was born a sexual being. Like that's a God given mm-hmm. gift. And, and especially as adolescents, that's like coming out. Oh and, yeah. And it's not healthy to put that in a box and lock that box in a safe and lock that safe at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> um, and it's also not healthy to act out on that um, mm. in, in ways that are detrimental to your well-being. Right. So like mm-hmm. the extremes are not healthy and, and finding some middle ground of like, okay, like figuring out who I am and connecting with others is, is what we're shooting for. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I, I just wanted to say something to that, that, you know, I wish I would have understood that at the time, you know, I wish I would have understood that it's okay to have the feelings <laughs> that I was having, you know, yeah. it's okay. You know, that's eventually will play a role in my life, like those feelings are totally natural, God given, like you said. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like you're not going to hell like, because you yeah, feel yeah, attracted yeah. to something. Because you feel or... attracted to <laughs> yeah. um, You don't yeah. have to bury that down in there. Um, it's good. It's good to be attracted to mm-hmm. to them. And I just kind of wanted to say to that that you. But that's the process of recovery. Is that we don't know everything right from the outset. Mm-hmm. So I was in recovery without even knowing it kind of a thing that that wasn't a term I was mainly focused on sobriety I guess what we would term sobriety or abstinence that I just don't want to use pornography and that's what you know sobriety or abstinence is just not using that substance just staying however long you can stay away from those things and that's where programs like Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous things like that that's you know people will know right down to the minute the last time that they use something which is amazing. And um, I was lucky and fortunate to actually be able to work with people struggling with drug addiction and alcoholism. In right after my mission, I got to work for a, re- a rehab center. It was an inpatient. It was like a house. It was like a mansion. It was super cool. And uh, people would come in and, and my job was to just kind of watch over them being a listening ear. And so I got to hear so many stories of people and, and their progress through this. And they always knew their time, you know, the time and day. And, and by that time that I was working, I actually, um, so this is kind of skipping ahead. I actually had my longest stint of sobriety was three years. I had a really long time. So it was a little bit of time before my mission, the two years on my mission, and then time after my mission and working in this uh, rehab center, I remember one time uh, a conversation that I had that kind of changed my whole perspective. And I'd like to share that. Um, we were in the car and this one girl in the back's like, Hey, Zachary, what do you know the difference between sobriety and recovery? And I'm like sitting there, like that was really random because it was not <laughs> in our conversation. And I'd never really thought about it. 
And I was like, no, you tell me. And she was like, sobriety is the amount of time that you've been away from, you know, a specific substance, you know, the amount of time that you've not partaken in that. And recovery is the quality of that time. And I was like, hmm. that's cool. And at the time it just was like, oh, that's cool. Thanks. Like you know, moving on. But it didn't really hit me until a couple weeks later when I actually did relapse. And at that time I had a thousand plus days free from pornography and suddenly I was back to zero and it really hurt me at the time. I was like, I had made so much progress. I had stayed away for so long. Why couldn't I just continue on doing that? And, but then it hit me that I was sitting there and that what she had said came to my mind is the quality of the time that was away. And I thought about, you know, does me making this mistake right now take away those three years that I had away from pornography? No, it doesn't. Like everything that I learned, everything that I had done during those three years counts at that time. And so maybe my clock is down to zero again, but that doesn't mean that I'm back to square one, that I have to start all over. I just pick myself up, dust myself off and keep moving. And I've come to learn more and more as I've been in recovery and, and, you know, working on myself and stuff is that a lot of people like to say recovery is, is not a destination. It's a journey. I don't even like that phrase. <laughs> I, I prefer to think of recovery as a lifestyle. It's a way of living. It is synonymous to me with repentance, continually changing yourself, your actions, your thoughts, your deeds, your heart towards an ideal. And that doesn't stop. It will never stop. It's, there's no destination in recovery. It's, I'm just going to continue to be a better person. Yes. Yeah. I, I love that. And I just yeah. like want that message. Amen to, be, to that one. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we needed a couple amens uh -huh. today. So that was so perfect. I love but amens. What I really, what I really loved about that is I think you were able to identify some thinking errors that are super common and, and they're mm -hmm. not just common in addiction. And oftentimes we're like, Oh, he's a thinking errors addiction. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. I have those same thinking errors. Yeah. So like thinking errors of people. Right. And these, and, and one of those is black and white thinking, like it's either all or nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. Like either I am sober and, and like perfect or I'm going to hell. Right. Or, yeah. and that's like a little bit dramatic, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, or like either, and another thinking error too, I think is, um, rationalization and, mm -hmm. And, and just some other ones that you identified that you were able to like, like put aside and see mm -hmm. clearly like, no, in, mm -hmm. in recovery, it's, it's about having an open and willing heart. It's mm -hmm. being able to see things instead of black and white thinking, we're seeing things as they really are. Yeah. And, and we're really asking ourselves like, okay, but like, what are my values and how can I act towards my values right now? Yeah. Going back to that shame dialogue that comes with black and white thinking, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is so awesome. And again, like that's healthy sexuality. Yeah, is mm -hmm. is having this like openness and this willingness to be like, what are my values? Am mm -hmm. I acting towards them? Do I have integrity in my life? Yeah, or do I not? Mm -hmm. And and that is so valuable and so needed, not just for addicts, but for 
everyone. Like that's yes. how I got through my betrayal yes. trauma. That's how I continue to work through my betrayal mm-hmm. trauma. That's how I have a healthy relationship, hopefully all the time with my husband. And sometimes <laughs> like, even when it's rough, when I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm so frustrated because you're not understanding me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm totally back in black and white thinking. Mm-hmm. I need to take a step back and, and remember that these are my values and we're acting. Yeah. Right. I love, thanks for sharing that right there. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I love this discussion because I, I completely agree that it is a lifestyle. It's never going to end just all aspects of life. I mean, a lot of times the dialogue, it makes it sound like, I mean, pornography can, is and can be very damaging to relationships mm-hmm. and such, but everybody has their things, right? Yeah. Like it's almost as if, if I was rude one time, I can think, oh man, like, it's been, I've had 13 days since I've been rude or something. And, <laughs> and like these last, mm-hmm. all that I had be, be, between that is just like gone now. Like, or it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can definitely relate to that feeling of, of when I um, had huge sobriety for a long time. And then I um, fell back into if you reviewed something again. And it felt so like, ugh, like, wait, but then, but then I remembered all the things that I've been learning. I'm like, okay. I don't want to do this again, but I still have a good life. I'm still a good person. Like this is Mm -hmm. still good. I'm, this is, we're still on the right trajectory. Right. I think that's the case with, with everybody. Everybody has to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, just going along with that, something that someone opened my eyes to, he just said, well, pornography, you know, learning to connect, you know, recovering from pornography use and all these things, this is an opportunity. This is not something negative. This can be something that we can turn into a positive. The things that we learn here, like you were saying, it stretches way beyond pornography use. Like I use these principles in everything that I do. It's just not just with healthy sexuality. I'm learning how to do that with my own physical health and my own mental health. And, you know, trying to continually better myself in all ways relies on these principles, taking advantage of everything as an opportunity, a learning experience, something to move forward with. Something that you touched upon also in your story that I really liked or what you were explaining was that it's not all about just stopping a certain behavior. It's about filling your life with other behaviors that fill that vacuum Mm -hmm. because you use pornography as a coping mechanism for emotional things. If you got rid of your coping mechanism, what are you going to do? You know, like you, you would fall back into bad behaviors or back into pornography or just come up with some new coping mechanism that might not be healthy. So it sounded like you kind of naturally started to focus on your relationships and actually connecting without Mm -hmm. knowing that you were recovering yourself. But I think that's something important to realize is it's not just about stopping pornography. It's about filling Mm -hmm. life with healthy sexuality, with good activities, good behaviors, good relationships, um, so that your life can be full and you can deal with these emotions that are, are real, mm-hmm. but just in a healthier way. Absolutely. So, and I think sharing that. Yeah. I think one of the questions that a lot of people have is like, well, what, what do I do then? Like, how do I, how do I even get to that point? Like where, what are the kind of tools or the things that, you know, I need to use? What, where do I even start with that kind of thing? And I feel like the biggest thing to do to be able to start that is to kind of take an inventory of one's life. Anybody that's ever been in the Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or any ARP program knows that that's step four. Um, 
taking that inventory of your life, looking back at everything that's, that's happened and said, why did this happen? And what am I going to do about it? And that's like the perfect stepping stone towards moving into recovery is taking that inventory and really evaluating, setting goals like, okay, this used to be something for me. How can I cope with that? Like you were saying, like this, this no longer, I don't want this to be my coping mechanism. What can I put in place there during these times when I'm bored or during the times when I am anxious and, you know, you know, I use pornography mostly in the bathroom. Like what, what could I do or change in my life that, you know, through ret- retrospection, you know, how can I do that stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some tools that have helped you to to shift those behaviors and to have mm-hmm. healthy, I like to think of it as like self-regulation or healthy soothing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, what are some things that have helped you transition? Well, the biggest tool, and it's kind of more of a generic thing, and it's, it is that connection with other people. And so mm-hmm. my wife, Rachel, is the biggest support in my entire life. I do not know where I would be without her. I would not be where I am today in recovery or even just as a person without her. And that has to do with, I mean, you know, during the time that we were dating and stuff, she didn't know that I had struggled with pornography, but I knew we'll, I needed we'll to talk, talk to about her about that it. story yeah. At, yeah. at another time. We, we plan to um, have a session mm-hmm. with both you and Rachel to talk more about For sure. And I definitely want, to, want her here for that. But with that story comes the idea that I learned that I can't do it by myself. I really can't. But I also don't have to. I don't. It was never meant to be just by myself. You know what I mean? Like all the trials and the things in our lives, we don't have to do it by ourselves. In fact, like I was just thinking of this the other day, like even superheroes need to form teams sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when there's big, big problems that come out, you know, the superheroes, they form the Avengers and they, they come out and they fight together. Like, you know, we're not meant to take on these things by ourselves and we don't have to. And so that's like the biggest tool is using other people and not in as an object, but as real people, mm-hmm. real relationships and, and, you know, really connecting with them on a deeper level. And, you know, I, I sit down with her and we talk about things, how I'm doing, especially during this really difficult time where I don't have a job and I, you know, I'm kind of in a state of de- depression where I'm constantly bombarded by negative thoughts and that affects me and my wanting to use pornography, but her continual ability to help hold me accountable and to help set goals for me. And sometimes I don't want to do those things, but she's there to lovingly say, Hey, like this will help you. I know it will. And now as I'm saying that there's things in my head, I'm like, okay, yes, I need to do those things better. Even right now that she's been helping me to do. And so that's like the biggest tool out there is you need somebody in your life to help hold you accountable, not in a bad way, but to be there with you to help you see things clearly. I guess. Mm-hmm. And I think for some people that can be their spouse and like, yeah. if that's not your spouse, maybe they don't have the capacity to do that mm-hmm. or you don't have a spouse, a sponsor. That's the role of a sponsor is yeah. to help you to see things clearly and to help you and, and to mm-hmm. be there and to be like a, a mentor and a guide as you're trying to figure that out. And so I hope that people, no matter what your circumstances are, mm-hmm. there are so many people who want to help. There mm-hmm. are so many resources and there are so many, like you don't have to be a creature of your circumstances. You don't have to mm-hmm. like, 
like, oh, but my life doesn't sound exactly like Zachary's or Christian mm. Creed's, right? But rather like, okay, that connection piece, that's what I want and need. Like, where can I find mm. it? Mm-hmm. And, and who can I connect with? And if you don't know, reach 10. Yeah. <laughs> we have tons of resources for you. Mm-hmm. And we have tons yeah. of resources for you. That's why we designed this um, mm-hmm. this this organization is just for mm-hmm. that so that, that people can connect and you can come and, and, and find the resources that you mm-hmm. do need to have that connection. Cause you're right on. I think mm-hmm. that's so well. Definitely. Yeah. And the people here are, are the ones, you know, that, that is why we started this organization and, and stuff like that. And I, I did, I do feel like I should mention too, though, that sometimes we face negative connection. I don't know what, what, how to term that right. That's probably not the right term for that, but sometimes those connections might fail, I guess. I've mm-hmm. faced uh, one or two of those in my life. The majority of people that I have reached out to 99% have always been positive towards me, but there is sometimes that 1% where you're like, mm-hmm. Oh goodness. I had an experience where a friend of mine in high school kind of, you know, asked me, Hey, and this was at a difficult time in their lives. And they just said like, Hey, have you ever viewed pornography? And it was kind of like, it was a random question. I didn't have time to prepare for that. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not into that. No, no, no. And they were like, Oh, good. Cause I don't think I can handle that. Mm-hmm. And immediately that just struck me like, Oh, well I could never. Wow reach out to this person, that kind of thing. Like it, that, that door just kind of closed. And, and it was sad because I, in hindsight, I probably would have liked some support at that time, but it wasn't going to be there. And so there may be those that are listening that, that might have experienced that, but I can personally tell you that there are people there that will be that good support. And, and if you've had that experience, don't worry. There are more people out there and it's not even that you can't mend that relationship with that person, but keep trying, keep reaching out to people. And that's why we say reach 10 because one of those people might not take that so well. (laughs) Right. I think just some examples are we can try to form a connection and get on our team, someone of a higher power. So lots for lots of us Mm -hmm. that can be God, but then reaching out or to family, friends, church leaders, picking certain people mm-hmm. that we feel like we can trust with this information, mm-hmm. share it and see if, if they can be someone that can, you know, respond with, with empathy or compassion and, and help us along on that journey. Cause I, I am very close to certain that someone who struggles with a pornography habit cannot break away from it without some help from somebody else. Yeah. You can't do it alone. That's, that's just my opinion, I guess. Mm-hmm. Someone should I believe you're right. <laughs> that, that proves me wrong, but I feel like you have to reach out to someone, a, a few people who can be on your team to help you through that. I would go as far as to say you can't change anything in your life mm-hmm. without help yeah. from other people. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm learning that more and more nowadays. Right, <laughs> right, right. And 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 that's why we have relationships is they help us to grow and change and become better. Because otherwise, oh, I just stay yeah. sassy and you know not as friendly all the time <laughs> but like i'm able to see things in my life that i want to change right so i, mm. I think that is so accurate um i also just want to throw out there and and zachary i loved your example that girl or girl i just assumed that it was a girl that person, person. in high school that, that responded that way i know i've responded that way before 
Mm. I've been that person. And it was because I was in a lot of pain and, and I was really struggling Mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to find safety and, and, Mm -hmm. and so I hope too, that if you are that person, you're like, man, dang it. Like I was not the safe person for someone Mm -hmm. to maybe look at like, how, what, what, what was missing in my life in order for me to, mm. to be safe enough to, to really connect with someone? And what do I need to have in order to have real connection? Cause I, I'm assuming that that person, based on my experience, when I've responded mm-hmm. in the past like that, like I was looking for safety and connection. Yeah. And, and, and I was looking for the same thing that you were actually looking for. Mm. Right. And it's so important yeah. that like, because of my fear and because of my shame and because of like my misunderstanding of, of people and mm-hmm. their sexuality, like that stuff that stopped me from connecting with people. Mm-hmm. So I hope that, um, yeah, yeah. I hope that whatever side of the street you're on, mm-hmm. um, that, that we realize that we're all on the same team mm-hmm. and, that, that. and that we all come back to, okay, what is mm-hmm. healthy sexuality? And what's a healthy connection? What does that look like? And and really strive for that, right? Oh, I love that. Oh, amen. Amen. <laughs> Another amen on that one. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. We we want to wrap up, but given your your experience in that, what is your view on healthy sexuality now? Like how would you summarize or explain what healthy sexuality is? Healthy sexuality. And I actually got to sit down very recently and I was like, I need to just define what this is for me, what this is for me. And I feel like my idea of it might be a little bit more radical than most people think, but hear me out. Let's go with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe based on my you know, belief in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I believe that there are certain ideals out there, that there is a perfect form in the form of Jesus Christ, that he exemplifies everything perfectly. And that stands the reason that he must be able to exemplify healthy sexuality perfectly. And so I sat down and, and was like, what just kind of went with the, what would Jesus do? Kind of a thing like what, how would he define healthy sexuality then? Mm-hmm. And I actually made a T chart where I had unhealthy sexuality and unhealthy sexuality cool. and it kind of went back and forth. And I, it really helped. Somebody had mentioned that. I don't even know who, and they said, just do a T-chart and you'll figure it out. And, you know, unhealthy sexuality at its base level is based on lust. The idea that, you know, it's all about me, 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 me. I can use other people as objects, um, which is what I did for the longest time. I used people and thoughts of people as objects, like these aren't real people. But then on the other hand, healthy sexuality to me is based on love, that it's turning outwards towards other people. And so that healthy sexuality is how I treat other people, my appropriate relationships with other people. And that includes my healthy sexuality, my relationship with my wife and the way that I treat her. Do I use her as an object? Or do I see her as, you know, a beloved daughter of God and, you know, my partner, the person that I can turn to the most and rely on the most and nobody can be perfect. But I, my view on recovery and healthy sexuality is that we may not be perfect, but we can 
certainly try to be mm-hmm. like work towards that perfection in the way that I'm continually improving. I, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be, but I can always constantly try to be. And so that always puts perspective on the way that I treat other people, the way that I see other people. And so healthy sexuality to me is, is how I view and interact with other people in my life. And what's the best way to, what's the appropriate way, what's the best way, and what's the most loving way that I can do that with other people. Mm-hmm. That was so beautiful. That was that. awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. Zachary, for, for taking your time, but most importantly, by opening up and, and sharing authentically and vulnerably about your experience and the things that you've learned through this whole process. Yeah. Thank you again for sharing teaching us again the meaning of connection and forming relationships with people, what healthy sexuality is, and and teaching us again that we can't be perfect people, but we can be perfect at striving again and again and again Mm. to become perfect. I love the way you put that. We never need to hold ourselves back and, and be so ashamed of our mistakes that we can't progress. We can view them as, okay, mistake. Let's keep moving forward. I think that's that's what we all that's all we can do. Thank you for sharing your your thoughts on all that, your light and your life. So thank you very much for being here. And thank you so much for having me. I love this opportunity, and I can't wait to come back with my better half, who <laughs> will have much better things to say. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So we're yeah. looking forward to it too. That'd be good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach Ten. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals, and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.